everyone, welcome back to the Just Justine Time Podcast with your host, Justine, or KittyCat23, depending on where you know me. How is your wonderful day going? Is it going good? Bad? Well, no matter what, I hope you're getting through it. How are you guys today? I hope everyone's January is going well. Um, I know mine is. I still have not taken down my Christmas decorations yet because I am lazy. Um... It's so funny, last episode we talked about New Year's resolutions, and I was like, I'm going to be less lazy. I still have not taken down my decorations, but you know what? It's fine. It, it's not that big of a deal, you know? It, it's fine. We just, we just won't talk about it, you know? It's great. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about borderline personality disorder. So this disorder is relatively newer, um, and it's the most frequent uh, mental disorder I see on social media. Um, I see a lot of people on TikTok and on Instagram talk about borderline personality disorder. So it's def- it's newer in the DSM-5. Um, it just got added in 2013. Um, and it was recognized as bipolar disorder, which essentially means it affects the way you think and feel about yourself in day-to-day life. It also can go as far as um, ruining your daily function in day-to-day life. It includes self-image issues, uh, difficulty managing your emotions, and stress. And basically, just a um, a lot of people find a pattern of really bad relationships uh, due to this disorder. So, um, some of the symptoms or some of the things you may feel is an intense fear of abandonment and some instability, um, as well as you may have difficulty um, tolerating yourself by yourself. So borderline personality disorder can also lead to impulsiveness and risky behaviors, which commonly affects uh, relationships, whether that's romantic relationships and friendships um, with people who have borderline personality disorder. So it essentially, it usually begins in early adulthood, um, but it can be seen at an earlier age and the condition tends to worsen in young adulthood. Um, But it might, um, it is, there is some studies shown that it might get better due to age. Regardless, BPD is a um, disorder that affects the way you feel, you think, and you act. People who have borderline personality disorder um, think and act differently than to someone who doesn't have it, um, which can be similar to bipolar disorder. A lot of people get BPD mixed up with, ironically, BPD. They are both uh, have the same symbols, except bipolar disorder is a mood disorder where you have highs and lows, like like I said in the episode of bipolar, where you had I- intense mania and intense, like, depression. With bipolar, or with borderline personality disorder, this is essentially the, it's a personality disorder, not a mood disorder. Um, and the difference between the two, again, moods is your high and low, while personality disorder it literally affects just how you are uh, in day-to-day life. Um, I was, like, this close, and by this close, I mean very, very close to getting diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Or, wow, see, even I am getting stuff. That's crazy. Um, I got very close to being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, but they did nap it in the butt, and I got diagnosed with adjustment disorder, which technically is a subtype of uh borderline personality disorder, but I don't have it to that extreme. 
So again, some of the symptoms is the most common one you'll see is an intense fear of abandonment, an intense fear of losing relationships, and people with BPD will go to extreme measures to avoid like a breakup. Like this is like begging them to stay. A lot of people who are BPD or who have borderline personality disorder usually end up in very manipulative and abusive relationships and that's solely because they just want to cling on to that one person who they think like loves them because they are totally scared of rejection which I completely understand um I though I do not have BPD um growing up in high school I can honestly relate to this I have been in many toxic many abusive manipulative relationships and yeah I can completely see it um though mine comes from a different stem um, I do understand what it's like to stay in a manipulative relationship just because you think no one else will love them or because you have a fear of rejection. For me, um, I actually have agoraphobia, which is essentially I have a fear of being alone and isolated. Um, I have an intense fear that everyone in my life will always lose, will always leave me, um, even though that's not true. So essentially with BPD, it's like, imagine having those feelings every single time you meet someone new. It's scary. Um, and like I said, they have a pattern of unstable friendships as well. Even can go to the point of affecting family solely if they don't think that family likes them enough. But essentially, people with BPD tend to idolize one person or multiple people, but most of the time it's either a friendship or a romantic relationship, but they will go to the point where they will absolutely idolize this person, and if this person one day says that they're busy or they can't hang out or anything, they will think that they are the most cruel person. They will go out of their way to say how horrible of a person they are because they don't think that they love them enough, and it's just this constant roller coaster of absolutely loving someone to absolutely hating them because they don't think that they love them enough and though people with BPD they cannot control this it is essentially the brain telling them that everyone hates you and it's all because it's your fault um, which I could not imagine anyone who is going through BPD I am so so sorry um, also another symptom that you can have is intense self-image issues as well as self-identity changes frequently. So what this means is essentially people with BPD do not know who their real self is. They tend to, um, if you ever heard of people mirror mirroring people, um, ironically serial killers do this, but people with BPD are actually really good at this. And what mirroring is, is essentially where when someone is talking to you, if they have their own mannerisms, so if you are watching my podcast and not watching the video, as of right now, I am talking with my hands very dramatically, um, and people with BPD will actually mimic someone who does this. And ironically, with mi mirroring in psychology, if you do mimic someone while they are talking, they're more likely to like you. But in the case of BPD, they only do it so that they know that the their friend or their relationship will like them. So if I'm talking with my hands right now, someone with BPD will actually mirror me and like like use their hands to talk to. Or this is also a trick you can use in day-to-day -day life. I'm not saying that everyone who has BPD does this and I'm not saying that anyone who doesn't have BPD 
BPD does this as well. If someone is talking to you with their arms crossed, go ahead and cross your arms the exact same way they will and they will most likely like you just a little bit more solely because you are doing something that they are doing. Um, but as with the self-image issues, it includes shifting goals and values and seeing yourself as bad or that you don't even exist at all. So essentially, again, BPD, they like put their whole life onto one person or multiple people. And so if let's say I had BPD, um, to put in the best example, let's say my boyfriend or my friend all of a sudden has a goal to climb Mount Everest, let's say. I will then change my goal to go climb Mount Everest just so I can make that person happy. And I know it sounds crazy because it seems like, oh, well, that doesn't sound that bad. It just means like you want to be supportive for your friend. But it's more than that. It's it's in a place where I or a person with BPD feel the intense need to fulfill that same goal just so they don't have the fear of rejection. As for self-identity, um, a lot of people say who have BPD tend to um, put a mask on to each different friend that they have. So like if someone has three or multiple friends, every time they hang out with that friend alone, they are a completely different person for each friend. Like if one friend is like more depressed and isolated, a person with BPD will become more isolated and shy and timid talking to them. But if they have an outgoing friend who's very adventurous, a person with BPD will then change and become adventurous and outgoing just so that they can cling on to what friendship they have because they have the intense fear of rejection. It's a very interesting um, disorder. Like I said, the DSM-5 did just uh, coin this as a term in 2013, which is relevantly new because this has never shown up anywhere in history other than like now. Um, there, you can also get symptoms of periods of stress-related um, paranoia and you also get loss of contact with reality. In the last episode we did talk about multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder where we went on and talked about depersonalization uh, disorder which essentially BPD does fall under but it is not nearly the same. But BPD patients do tend to have um, periods of derealization where they don't think um, certain things are real. They have like loss of contact with reality. It's again where people are in a dreamlike state and don't understand really what's going on or why they're there. Um, and usually in BPD terms... They tend to do this um, because they're so overwhelmed with pleasing everyone that you kind of lose your sense of like self and in life. Um, usually this does lead to risky behaviors and impulse behaviors. Um, people with BPD, BPD are like 40, I think it's like 40% more likely to um, like take part in like drugs or like psychedelics and stuff just so that they can feel something, essentially. They can also, uh, they also, like, kind of partake in gambling, unsafe sex, spending sprees, essentially, and it's like bipolar disorder, um, where you can have, think of bipolar disorder when you're in the euphoria state, but think of that all of the time. All of the time, and it only triggers when you think that you are losing someone in your life that is of importance to you, whether that's a friend, family, or relationship, you will go on these intense spending sprees or intense binges because you don't feel like you have a control in your life and you like feel like you need a control um, there. Um, 
Suicidal threats and self-injury is also a very common symptom in BPD. This happens when, like, again, with the risky behaviors, if they feel like they are losing their relationship with anyone, they will start threatening suicide or they will start losing their job. They'll start, like, not going into work, not going to school. They will just absolutely stop everything because they feel like they're losing this one important person to them, which is really crazy to think that um, people with BPD um, literally put their whole life to one person, you know what I mean? Like, they dedicate their whole life to one person, which ironically, if we go back to when I talked about dependent personality disorder, so if you guys don't know, I am diagnosed with three disorders. Um, I have talked about them in all of my previous episodes. I am diagnosed with an eating disorder, dependent personality disorder, and adjustment disorder. And ironically, dependent personality disorder is also a personality disorder, but it is not as... I guess, intense as BPD, as borderline personality disorder, because with with dependent personality disorder, yes, I get dependent on one person, and they, like, so to put in perspective, I am getting better um, at my uh, dependent personality disorder. I am not that dependent anymore, but I used to be, and with that, I can definitely relate to the suicidal threats and the, the risky behavior, because it's essentially... For me, the person I was dependent on was my boyfriend, um, and when my boyfriend would, like, whenever I'd go out to eat, I'd be like, well, what do I eat? Do I eat this or that? And he would have to make that decision for me, um, as well as, like, when he, if he wanted to, like, say, break up with me, I would, like, not threaten suicide as, like, a bad thing, but, like, I would feel like my world is crumbling down, you know? So with BPD, it is essentially that, but it's one step further where it can be multiple people and where with BPD, their life is literally crumbling. At least with dependent personality disorder, I can get over it essentially and it's not that big of a deal where I essentially want them to make choices for me. With BPD, it's not that they want them to make choices for them, it's the fact that they want someone to love them really really intensely and extreme and if someone's not loving them like that they just absolutely think the worst you you get what I mean yeah makes sense again it is similar to bipolar in a way where you do get intense mood swings but the mood swings are triggered by the people they are in relationships with so if if, let's say their best friend is in a bad mood that day they are going to be in the worst mood ever and they are going to think that it's their fault that they are in that bad mood and they're going to try absolutely everything in their power to get them back and be and be in a better mood essentially think of it this way where any relationship or friendship that you have if they are in a bad mood you think it's your fault and that it's your fault they're in the bad mood so i hope that kind of makes sense um the last um symptoms that they have is depression of course if you're constantly stressing about relationships and friendships like of course you're gonna get um depression and feelings of emptiness um and this comes from because they have a lack of self-identity usually when you have a lack of self-identity or self-image you do feel empty inside because I mean, heck, if you don't know who you really are, what's the point, right? Um, Ironically, right now, I'm kind of going through a identity crisis. Not that bad. I'm not saying I'm going to dye my hair pink or blue anytime soon, but I do understand where that comes from, the feeling of emptiness, because when you don't really know who you are, it's it's tough to kind of 
I guess, be the best person you want to be because you don't know who you are. Like, don't get me wrong, as I've grown up, I've been finding my own style, but I definitely feel myself that I've been conforming to society standards. Like, I understand that people are like, it's your life, you do whatever you want. Like, it's, it, like, do, dress however you want, like, no one, oh my gosh, I have the hiccups, no one cares um, what you do or who you are, but for me, that's really hard to grasp onto, because in psychology, you're kind of taught that your image does matter, um, you're taught that, not, like, that you're taught that this is, like, true, but in psychology, you do learn that people do judge you for the way that you dress, people do judge you if you show up to an interview and are wearing sweatpants, like, they, you know, like, how when people are like, oh, you can wear whatever you want, like, it's fine, like, it's, it's what, like, let's say, like, a Christmas work party, right, and the Christmas work party is smart casual, if you don't know what smart, smart business casual is or smart casual it's essentially where you wear dress pants and a blouse right so if you go into this work party and you are wearing let's say jeans and a t-shirt people will subconsciously judge you because you do not fall into what was expected and even though people try their best to not be judgmental everyone in the world judges you there is no way that people don't judge you people will judge you for absolutely anything like heck i going off topic for a second in high school I specifically remember wearing an outfit and everyone said I look like a freaking tree I look like a tree and so therefore to this day I refuse to wear dark green and brown pants I refuse I refuse to wear dark green and browns as a, out of fear that people are gonna think I look like a tree I know it sounds ridiculous and like oh my god like dark green and brown like the, it's a really good color combo but to this day I'm terrified to wear those two color combos together just because I might be called a tree. So essentially think of like that with BPD um, just but every single day like every single outfit you wear you just think that you are being judged that you are just this awful person. <laughs> Um, which you're not. People, if anyone is watching as BPD, understand that people love you for who you are and that you do not know, you do not need to go to these extreme lengths, um, to please people, even though a lot of people do think that. Um, with this feeling of emptiness, um, a lot of times pe uh, people with BPD do get an intense anger and, like, intense, like, they usually lose their temper, they be sarcastic or bitter, and they also can have physical fights, but that's just what the internet says. Um, I do relate to the being sarcastic or bitter, which I, well, not that I relate, but I actually, I know a couple of people who have BPD and who are diagnosed with it, um, and they have openly told me, like, why. So, it's pretty interesting, because people with bi- um, with borderline personality disorder are very aware that they have this disorder. I have never met anyone with BPD who isn't aware of what they are doing. Um, so with that, like, let's say my friend who has BPD is talking to me and they're like, hey, you seem a little cold lately. And I respond like, hey, no, I've just been busy with my job. They will respond bitterly and be like, yeah, because your job is more important than me, right? that's what that means, where they try and make passive-aggressive comments because they want to make you feel bad so that, well, it's not that they don't want to make you feel bad, it's essentially that they think it's their fault that you are so busy and that you do not want to talk to them, so they are going to be passive-aggressive to you because that's what they think you are doing to them, even though we're not, we just have
you know, our own lives, our own everything. Also, if anyone is watching the podcast video, I am having a hair crisis right now. Um, there's this little bump on my head that does not want to go away. So, apologies for the bump in the head. But anyways, um, people with borderline personality disorder are, again, significantly higher to self-harm and um, contribute to suicidal behaviors more than the general population. And again, this comes from because if they think someone does not like them, they are going to go to the most dramatic thing to do because they feel like it's the end of the world, which I totally understand that. Like, 100%. I, I couldn't imagine. People who are struggling with BPD, it is, like, the hardest mental disorder to, like, cope with, considering it is a personality disorder. And the thing with personality disorders, it's they're very hard to medicate. Because if you try and medicate a personality disorder, essentially all you can really do is numb them. Um, I did talk about this in my ADHD podcast where Vyvanse and Adderall is being used to numb kids and make them kind of like obedient. So the thing with borderline personality disorder is that since it is your personality, the only things that really work are anti-anxiety like Valium and stuff. But the thing with Valium is that it makes you become deadpan. It makes you become an emotionless person. And a lot of people don't really want to become a robot or emotionless because... Well, it's not fun. It It's not fun to be completely a blank slate and never having your own kind of thought. So that does lead us into the different treatments. There are two major treatments um, that is used. And the first one is behavioral therapy. As you may know, um, there is two different um, behavioral therapies. There is dialectal behavior therapy and there's cognitive behavioral therapy. So we're going to talk about cognitive behavioral therapy first because I literally bring it up in every single episode. If you don't know it by now, you definitely should unless this is your first time watching. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a treatment that can help identify their problems. It's where you actively do worksheets and actively talk about what you know is wrong with you and work on yourself to make yourself a better person. Um, so in the cases of borderline personality disorder, it may help, you know, reduce mood swings and anxiety symptoms for when someone is not giving a person with bipolar disorder bipolar. Wow. See, I'm even getting it mixed up. This is, it's hard. I'm just going to say BPD and understand that it's borderline personality disorder, not bipolar. They are not the same. I'm sorry for making it seem like they are the same. But essentially, um, with cognitive behavioral therapy, for BPD, it is to identify that, like, yes, when someone is busy or someone is not giving you your full attention, you can recognize that it is not your fault and it can actually help with, like, combating the suicidal behaviors. It can help with your mood swings and absolutely everything. It's essentially just identifying and realizing why you are acting like that. Um, and that, and it's pretty hard to get to, like... With BPD, like, even though you can recognize what you're doing, it's very hard to break out of that trance that um, people with BPD do get into. Um, as for dielectral behavioral therapy, um, this treatment was specifically designed for people with BPD, and it essentially uses mindfulness and awareness um, as in one's present situation and emotional state. So it, it teaches um, people with BPD different skills to help control their intense emotions, reduces self-destructive behaviors, and can improve relationships. So it's similar to cognitive behavioral therapy, but with dialectical 
behavioral therapy, it kind of, it's just, it's more intense than CBT. It, it kind of, think of it as with uh, DBT, it's essentially like, I'm going to throw you in this scenario and you're going to tell me how you're going to react to that and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. But with CBT, it, it's more light where it's like, okay, you need to figure out what you're doing wrong, but but it's okay, essentially. Do you get what I mean? Like DBT is just a more intense form to make you realize what you are doing that is harming your relationships. Which again, it's pretty funny that um, people with BBT, BPD is very, they're very aware and they know what they're doing, but it's so hard to break out of, which I just, I can't imagine. I can't imagine my brain fighting itself being like, hey, I know what you're doing is wrong, but I have this intense urge that you hate me. Even though I know you don't hate me, I feel like you hate me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I can't imagine. So if you're wondering what some of the causes are for BPD, um, as with other mental disorders, uh, BPD is all really inherited. Um, it is genetics and it's strongly associated with other mental disorders and health disorders among family members. So again, genetics um, is the hugest thing. Um, there was actually a twin study done and the twin studies showed that personality disorders are inherited and strongly associated with mental health running in the family. So essentially, yeah, if your family members have any personality disorders or depression, anxiety, you do run high risk of BPD, um, though anyone gets BPD really. Um, this is really, really more common in women than it is in men. I'm not saying men can't get it, they definitely can, but women are way more likely to get it. I'm not trying to say women are emotional, we are not. Okay, well, you know, sometimes we can be because biologically, yes, women are more emotional while men are more physical emotional. Um, if you don't know what that means, essentially women's brains are kind of wired to be more stress responsive and that is due to childbirth and tending to the needs of their kids, um, that women are very high strung and tend to stress out about little things. So imagine that with BPD, it's crazy. But with um, men and biologically, they were more meant to be physical and they do like physical stuff. So they're not really emotionally tied, if that makes the best sense. Um, another cause can be brain abnormalities. Um, some research has shown that in certain areas of the brain in emotional regulation, so this is like the amniogala, the hippocampus, and the frontal lobe, I'm pretty sure. I hope my psychology does not fail me. I'm pretty sure those are the three emotion units in the brain. Um, it is shown that um, those that do monitor the impulsivity and aggression are a little out of whack, um, which can be a factor of BPD. Um, in addition, certain brain chemicals can help relate mood, uh, such as serotonin, uh, may or may not be functioning properly. So like, again, your amnigala and your frontal cortex, they, they release dopamine and serotonin and cortisol, which is the stress hormone um, when needed. So if you have an abnormality in that, um, it could make you react Strongful, strongfully to certain situations when you don't have to. Again, this being friendships or relationships. Um, you know, like when something triggers you, like, huh, what's a good question? Like, you know, when you cry 
when you cry seeing like a sad movie that is your brain telling you to cry like that's your hip or that's your amnigala telling you hey this is sad i'm gonna pump out like the crying chemical i don't know what the crying chemical is but i'm just gonna pump out crying chemicals but with bpd it's like oh my friend is busy i'm gonna pump out a bunch of cortisol and less serotonin because i think this is bad I don't know, your brain is a very interesting thing and it's very crazy how your brain can react to certain situations. But going back to last episode um, with multiple personality disorder, I did do a little talking about how your brain can essentially just shut off or shut on. It can shut things out and shut things in as fast as a blink of in the eye. So with BPD, again, since there's really no medication to um, be used on this, it's essentially you have to get a grasp that your brain is doing this because it's a coping mechanism and not because you want it to. And so it's really hard for people with BPD to get over it because you can't just get over something when it's been there like your whole life or that's just how you cope with things. So I can definitely see why. Again, genetics. Genetics is the biggest thing, um, which is really funny because it seems like the more and more people who are being born nowadays, um, there's more and more mental health happening. And I feel like as we go down the line of like people birthing more babies and stuff, that there's just going to be more and more mental problems coming up because it's very hard to cure a mental disorder. Even if you have depression or anxiety, you can't be, you are never ever 100% cured like, you're still gonna always have it. And you know, like, the joke of, like, Heinz 52 babies? Like, how, if you don't know what a Heinz 52 baby, I'm a Heinz 52 baby, right? So, essentially, it means that, like, I'm part Ukraine, I'm part German, I'm part French, I'm part English, right? Like, that's four different things. That's a Heinz 52. And if, if I, you know, have a baby with someone who is, like, Irish, Scottish, European, blah, 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 our kid is now going to have eight different hereditaries, you know what I mean? So imagine that with mental disorders. What if I, I have my three mental disorders? Let's say my boyfriend has one or two mental disorders. Now our baby has a chance to have five mental disorders, like, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So I really wonder how researchers and stuff are going to try and combat this, because I... Technically speaking, if you think about the incline of mental health and stuff, hypothetically, at one point in our life, whether that's like a hundred to a thousand years from now, everyone will have a mental disorder solely because you can't avoid it if it's genetic. Huh. Science is pretty cool. <laughs> um, but though BPD does not always have to come from genetics, it can be from stressful environments and how you grew up. Many people with this disorder um, report being sexually or physically abused in their childhood, and that is why it is. BPD is considered a coping mechanism because it is. Um, some people who have lost or have separated parents can develop BPD, and yeah, and that's solely because if you live in a hostile environment, you are going to try your hardest to make that hostile person love you and that will just carry out through your day-to-day -day life heck I grew up in a very 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 abusive uh, foster care childhood that yeah I I became though I do not have BPD I became a people pleaser from that and I actively recognize that in day-to-day -day life because I mean I took psychology so now I just self-diagnose everything I have right no um it does come from um like my people pleasing comes from because yes I did grow up in a very hostile like place um, in foster care that you will try your hardest to not make 
your abuser mad because if you make them mad it just it's better to just walk on eggshells than to just you know get beat up for something you do wrong so in turn now i am a people pleaser where if you want to go to mcdonald's and i want to go to a and w we're going to mcdonald's because i do not want to make you mad i do not want you to think that i wanted like I don't want you to think that I have any ill will towards you so I'm I will just suck it up and go to McDonald's plus I've also realized that it doesn't hurt to do that though um there is people in my life who are trying to actively make me not do that because apparently it's a bad thing it's a bad thing to be a people pleaser which it is um but I don't know I'm, I'm getting better um I'm getting I'm getting better in it you know yeah. So with treatment and that being said, studies funded by the National Institute um, of Mental Health or NIHM um, concluded that people with borderline personality disorder who don't receive adequate treatment um, in their early life tend to develop chronic or major, major health and mental health conditions later on in life and tend to make very, very terrible lifestyle choices. So to put it in perspective, think, this may sound a little insensitive, but think of borderline personality disorder as intense manipulation, because that's essentially what it is, but it's the person not trying to manipulate someone, it's just what they do. Um, and with what the research founded, or found, was that, like, if they don't think that their boyfriend loves them enough, and let's say they are pregnant they may possibly induce an own miscarriage in order to make their boyfriend to feel bad for them and to love them more. Yes, that's a very extreme case, and I'm not saying anyone or everyone with BPD does it, but in extreme cases, it does happen. Like I said, people with BPD will grip on to anything that will make their partner or friend stay. And even though like, again, with CBT and DBT, it is trying to tell you that that is actually going to make your friendship or relationship worse rather than better. But, I mean, heck, the brain does mysterious things, and it loves to tell you that it is wrong, that you are wrong, and that everyone else is right. So, it sucks. And, again, so, going back to some of, like, the symptoms and just kind of talking about BPD as a whole... People who do experience this tend to, so I know I've been saying a lot about um, short-lived and intense relationships, whether that's a friend or a boyfriend or whatever. Um, people with BPD actually tend to leave first. So if they even minutely think that you are going to leave them because, I don't know, maybe you think the person's a bad friend or not, like, you could be best friends with someone with BPD and the second you're like, hey... I don't really appreciate how you treated me at this one party. Like, but it's okay though. I'm just kind of letting you know. A person with BPD will literally either ghost you or like leave and be like, you know what? We can't be friends. They will break off the friendship or relationship first solely so that they don't have to feel that kind of hurt that they think they will feel in the end of like the argument or something. People um, with BPD actually are really sensitive to. I mean, if you haven't figured from all of the symptoms we've been talking about, um, they are highly sensitive to literally anything anyone says. Like, you could possibly point out the, that there's lipstick on their teeth and it will ruin a person's whole day if they have BPD. Um, they're also extremely clingy. Like, it, just think of someone who is just very, very, very intense. And you know what? You might even be 
you might even have a friend if you think that they're very intense with wanting to hang out or really intense with their emotions. They possibly might have BPD and not even know it, you know? So it's crazy. So going more in the the like psychology of it and kind of why genetics plays a huge role. Um, it can't always be genetics either because like I said, it can also be environmental. But the one of the most common um, reasons why people grow up with BPD is because they don't have a secure attachment growing up. So if you guys don't know, there's four types of attachment. There's the secure attachment, anxious avoidant attachment, the avoidant attachment, and the disorganized attachment. So if you don't know what those are, essentially it is different ways on how you parent a baby and the way you parent your child will 100% or I guess 50% technically speaking will affect how your child grows up. So secure attachment is essentially so if you give it to the bare minimum example when your baby is crying about something you will go up to them and hold your baby and try and calm them down. That is a secure attachment. For anxious ambivalent attachment, this is essentially where children will tend to distrust their caregivers. So this essentially means that they try and seek approval for it. And this is where, so going back to the baby crying um, example, it's where only 50% of the time you are going to come and care for your baby. So if your baby is crying, maybe one time you're going to hold them, cuddle them, coddle them until they are good. But the next time they are crying, let's say you're annoyed and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to let them cry it out. That will determine an anxious ambivalent. This makes them seek um, a lot of approval. This is one of the most um, common that will make uh, people get BPD. And this is because you are constantly seeking approval um, for everyone. But the um, avoidant attachment, this is completely if you just never tend to your baby growing up. If your baby is crying and you just don't care, like, and just, you know, make a muted speech or even yell at them. Like, if you tell them, like, shut up, stop crying. This will create um, an avoidant attachment and this is where people are scared and actually tend to become very um, social anxiety. They tend to isolate themselves because they don't think anyone cares about them, which is fair because if you grow up with no one caring about you, why would you think that adults would care about you, right? So with disorganized attachment, again, it kind of falls into anxious ambivalent, um, but essentially with disorganized, it's, it's where... I guess in the example of the baby crying, it's where children will recognize that you don't care about them unless they throw a fit. So if your baby is crying and you don't care about them, but your baby all of a sudden takes a toy and throws it against the wall and it breaks, then you go and like be like, hey, why did you do that? Like, what the heck, right? Um, that essentially will create a disorganized attachment. And this is the babies that you see tend to blow up and be very angry. And that is solely because they just don't know how to control their emotions. Um, because if you have a parent that only reacts when you break something, well, in your adult life, people will only react if you get very angry. You know what I mean? So anyways, with BPD, it does, um, it does stem from the anxious ambivalent attachment. Um, because if you do not give your baby a secure attachment, you are most likely going to mess it up, which is very, which to me is why I'm so terrified to have a kid. So I'm 21. Um, ironically, growing up in my life, I wanted to have kids by 24. 
I wanted to be married at 23 and have kids at 24. And now that I'm 21, I'm literally like, I'm gonna wait as long as possible to have a kid because I'm messed up myself, okay? There's no way I am bringing a child into this world thinking that I could teach this kid to be okay, because I'm not even okay. Um, so if I ever have kids, I'm gonna wait until I'm 29. I said 29 is when I'd start trying, if I'm even in a relationship or whatever until then. Um, and if you wonder why I say 29, like why don't I wait till longer? Um, it is taught that once you hit 30, um, you, so if you don't know, um, Ironically, the childbearing age in biology is 17. 17 is the best age to have a child. It is just not socially acceptable, even though biologically that is when a woman's body is the most prepared to have a baby. That's why back in the day you would see a lot of pe people and a lot of children having babies young because it was normal back then. But now it's more normal to have a kid when you're like 25. Yet they do say, so when you hit the age of 20, um, it is one out of a hundred thousand that your kid will have Down syndrome or autism or any kind of um, chromosomal malfunction. By the time you hit 30, it goes to one out of 100. By the time you hit 35, it is one in 40 chance of getting autism and then I think anything after that it's like one in ten so essentially they do that is why doctors try and kind of convince people to conceive in their 20s and that's why I say 29 would be the latest I am not saying that I would not love my baby any less if my baby did have autism or down syndrome I would still I would still love my baby as much as if I were to have one without any chromosomal deficiencies but for my sake I would like to I mean I don't know if it's being insensitive because I feel like anyone would like, you know, a child without any deficiencies because that's just the way of life, you know what I mean? And I would I would like if my kid did not have any chromosomal. Also, um, by the time you hit 30, it is like 1 in 50 chance that your kid will literally have a mental disorder. Like, at least when you're younger, it's a less chance, but by the time you get older, it's a higher chance and that's solely because your eggs become older and because you know you're gonna go into menopause pretty soon not like soon I'm not saying 30 you go into menopause but your body is just not able to carry pregnancies at that point and that is why you see people who are trying for a baby later in age whether they're 26 to 35 you see the most miscarriages and this is something I actually just learned like a year ago is that miscarriages are more common than births I didn't even know this until um, someone in my life started trying for a baby and actually got their own miscarriage because a doctor and the doctor said that it's it's very common that you will have a miscarriage before you have a birth which is interesting to think about because um, if you know anything about evolution back in the day um, women if you ever heard the term birthing hips um, it's because back in the day women used to be born with huge hips that's why you get the whole curvy um, the whole curvy argument and that is because yeah people who have birthing hips have are really curvy and that was solely so the baby you know can come out of the cervix um, when you're 10 inches dilated um, but nowadays um, due to evolution and genetics and like food like so something I learned in um, biology was that the fillers that are being put into food nowadays are actually affecting 
happening um, and are creating genetic mutations. That is actually one of the reasons why, um, if, if, if any of you are like me, who are 21 or older, you will start seeing literally 11 and 12 year olds on TikTok looking like they're 23. And you're just like, wow, when I was 11, I looked like I was a literal child, not an adult. And that is becoming, and that is because of the food um, the food fillers and preservatives we're putting in. So, you know, like GMOs and, um, all of that stuff, it, it is genetically altering, um, our genetics, which is crazy to think about. And that is why a lot of kids are maturing way quicker. It's because of the stuff we're putting in our food, which is so ironic how the FDA is approving all of this when it, you can physically see the changes. So I can't wait to see like 50 to 100 years. I mean, I'll be dead in 100 years, but I can't wait to see 50 years from now seeing like, I don't know, five-year-olds look like they're 20, maybe. I don't know. That's just hypothetical. Going back to borderline personality disorder, it is one of the most hard, hard um, mental disorders to have. Again, it is seen in early adulthood, which can be seen as early as 16. Can be seen earlier, but usually by the time you're 16, that's when, like, your, your true personality comes out. And, yeah, like, like I said, I have a friend who has BPD, and I've actually experienced a couple of, of her episodes where I was like, hey, like, I'm busy for the weekend. I, well, okay, to put it in perspective, I am not really a busy person. I tend to just, like, I'm kind of isolated. Um, again, due to COVID-19, I tend to isolate myself a lot more than I used to. Like I said in a previous podcast is that I used to be very, um, very extroverted growing up, but now I'm more introverted than extroverted. I, I, basically, I coined myself as an extroverted introvert. And this is solely because um, I can be extroverted when I have to, but I like being to myself when I can. So anyways, the girl who had um, BPD, I said that I was busy and I wasn't necessarily busy. I just, I had stuff to do that day already. I don't know if any of you guys are like this, but have you noticed that if you, like, let's say you have work or you have like one thing that you have to do that day. Like, let's say you have to go Go, go to the mail, go to the post office and pick up a package. And let's say you have to do that at 2 p.m. I cannot do anything before 2 p.m. because I know I have an appointment at 2 p.m. And then it just like, that's my whole day. It's just post office. So I myself find it really hard to hang out with people um, in my own mind. But regardless, um, I said that I was busy that day for whatever reason it was. I don't remember, it was like two years ago. And she freaked out on me and she was like, do you hate me? Like, it's okay if you tell me, like, it's okay if you want to tell me that you don't like me. Like, I, I'll be okay with it. I just, I, it seems like you're avoiding me. Are you avoiding me? And I was like, no, I'm not avoiding you. Like, it's okay. Like, we can hang out the next day. I'm just busy today. Like, I'm sorry. I just, I can't hang out. I don't like, I don't like spontaneous hanging out myself, at least. Um, you gotta give me, like, three to five business days if we're gonna hang out because I need, like, to emotionally prepare. Um, and then, yeah, she ended up making a couple passive-aggressive comments saying that I didn't actually like her and saying that because I had a boyfriend at the time. Um, she was like, um, oh, it's your boyfriend's controlling you, like, it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, like, it's, I just, we can hang out tomorrow. And so we ended up hanging out the next day and it went really great. It was, it was awesome. We, we hung out and then, yeah, that, that night when we both went home, she messaged me and she's like, I feel like you don't like me anymore. Like, like, I don't know if we can be friends. And I was like, 
what? Like, I thought we just had a great hangout. What are you talking about? And yeah, she was just like, well, I don't know. It just seems like you don't like me, blah, 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 blah. And so I had to like convince her that I did like her. And what's funny, we don't talk anymore. So you know how I was saying one of the symptoms is that they tend to pull away first? I think that's exactly what she did. You know, if you're out there, I really hope you're doing well because I can't, I can't imagine what you're going through. <laughs> heck, I can't imagine what I'm going through. And heck, it's crazy to think that you can't even use medication. Like I said, you technically can use medication on BPD, but again, it makes them turn into a whole zombie. Um, I do know I follow this argument a lot where I believe that I don't like taking medication because it really does alter your brain chemistry. And for me, I don't like that because I feel like if I was on medication, it's not who I am. You know what I mean? Like, I was on um, depression medication my first year of university, and I ended up stopped taking it. Well, actually, I ended up stopped taking it for another reason, but I'm not going to go into that on this episode because it's a little personal for me. But I ended up stopped taking it solely because I just felt not like myself. Like, don't get me wrong, I felt healthier. I felt great. And this is what everyone who goes through antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds say. They say that they feel better, but they just don't feel like it is them and who they are. And that's exactly the trap I fell into. And But for me, it's because as a psychologist, like as someone who studied psychology, I know that my brain chemistry is being altered. And if like, even though antidepressants, all they do is pump serotonin into you. That's all it is. It's an SSRI. It doesn't change who you are or what you do. It just makes you a happier person. But to me, it feels like, oh my god, like, I am a different person. Because since I wasn't happy before, why is a drug making me happy? That means I'm not actually happy. And then you fall into, like, this terrible, terrible spiral. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, like I said, on social media, a lot of people are talking about um, borderline personality disorder. Yet, my friend that I'm really close with did actually make a good argument, um, which I kind of believe. Where a lot of people are sugarcoating things and are trying to make everyday quirky personality stuff, they're making it as if you have a mental disorder. So what I mean by this is that you will come across a couple videos, I've come across a couple videos on TikToks where it's like, do you ever feel like you don't fit in a group? Do you ever feel like, I don't do you ever feel like a person doesn't like you? Or are you that kind of person who is weird in a friend group, right? And then they're like, oh, well, it could possibly mean because you have borderline personality disorder. That is something that TikTok is doing recently, um, which I don't like because just because you're a clingy person, look at, what, what are your thoughts, Guinness? Huh? We're, we're having a gimbim break. Hello. What are your thoughts on borderline personality disorder? Huh? What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? That's crazy. If you guys don't know, I'm currently holding Gimbim on my lap like a little baby because she's adorable. But as I was saying, um, there is videos out there like just because you're a clingy person or because just because, I don't know, you are involved in risky behavior or drugs or like you are allowed to be clingy. You are allowed to like have these traits and not have bipolar disorder. That's something I'm not the biggest fan of of social media because I literally came across a video a couple of days ago being like, "Are you clingy in your relationship? Do you tell your boyfriend everything that you do in your day-to-day -day life?" Well, you most likely have borderline personality disorder. And I like laughed at that because I was like, 
no, I don't have BPD. I just, I am just a clingy person. Like, you're allowed to be clingy without it. So, regardless, don't trust everything you believe on the internet, because I know I've been saying that a lot, but... Um, I feel like with nowadays with social media, a lot of people are going into self-diagnosing, which is not a good thing to do because if you self-diagnose and you are actually wrong about your diagnosis, you can end up messing up your whole like life because if even even so, if you went to like a psychologist and are like, hey, I think I'm ADHD because I don't know, I get excited really easily and then you get put on Vyvanse, but you're not actually ADHD you're just going to get addicted to Vyvanse. You're not actually going to help yourself. You are just going to lose a bunch of weight and not actually help yourself. Or if you think that you're depressed because you had one sad day and you get put on antidepressants, that is detrimental. Because if you don't have depression but get put on antidepressants, that is a huge, huge contributor to serotonin syndrome. And serotonin syndrome is fatal. It can kill you. So if you, you have to make sure that you have a proper diagnosis before you go on medication. And again, with the opioid epidemic and everything, it seems like doctors are just willingly loving to give away any kind of pill they can. Like, you, you can just go to the doctor and say, hey, I have back pain. And if you have no, like, history of, like, I don't know, taking drugs or painkillers, you're most likely going to get prescribed T3s. I've told this story in a previous podcast how one of my viewers on my stream, um, his knee popped out. He dislocated his knee and he got put on um, oxycodone, which is a big, big... Um, like opioid and he got five days worth and the doctor literally was like yeah after five days you just throw them out or actually he said take them for three days if you still need them take them for five days um or else you just throw them out flush them down the toilet but as oxycodone they are the most addictive painkiller out there well morphine's more addictive but as for an like kind of not over the counter drug but as the most opioid prescribed you can't cut cold turkey. And I remember my viewer coming up to me, like, DMing me and being like, I am craving oxycodone because I've been taking it for five days and the doctor won't prescribe me anymore. But then he then, the next day, came up to me and was like, so I went to my doctor and he asked if I wanted to be prescribed for another week, and, which I'm so thankful that my streamer said no or that my viewer said no. Because if he would have said yes, I truly think that's a spiral downwards into an opioid addiction. Um, I actually had a guest on here who was addicted to opioids. Um, if you guys haven't watched that episode, I very, very encourage you to do so. Because opioids are terrifying. Because, yeah, I think everyone would love to go day to day without feeling any pain. You know what I mean? So, with that being said, yeah, if you get mixed, misdiagnosed and doctors are just going to give away like pills like it's candy then no it's not it's not good do not self-diagnose yourself I know that I say that I relate to a lot of these disorders but that is just me kind of throwing in something in my personal life that I've experienced but I don't never ever say that I have any of these disorders like I said I am only diagnosed with three disorders and that's something that a psychologist has said to my face um, other than ADHD, where I do say I am self-diagnosed, and that is solely because I am no longer allowed medication due to reasons that happened into the past, um, so therefore I can't get medicated nowadays, um, but I am a firm believer that I have late-onset ADHD, but heck, what streamer slash content creator doesn't have ADHD? Like, come on.
I feel like everyone I meet does. Regardless, to say the least, um, if you do, um, if you or a family member is struggling with BPD, the best thing I can say is be there for them and try and explain to them that no, you are not going to leave them and that it's not the end of the world if you are busy or, you know, you can't be with them all the time. Though it does take a long time, it does help because the only way to, um, kind of get rid of BPD is to talk about it and is to... And it, it's hard to say um, because it is really insensitive to say it, but people with BPD, the only way you're going to get over it is if you want to get over it. And I know it's very hard, and I'm not saying that's an easy thing, but if you are kind of getting to a point in your life, if you have BPD, that you are ruining a lot of relationships and friendships, maybe it is time to take a step back and be like, hey, I might have a problem. And... That is the first step to treating any disorder, is to admitting that you do have a problem. But, with that being said, everyone, I will leave you off with this amazing fun fact. Um, and the fun fact is, if someone is on the phone, <laughs> I feel like my fun facts lately are becoming manipulation techniques, and I'm so sorry, I don't mean to. But um, my fun fact of the day is if someone is on a phone call and they are holding something, um, the fun fact is that you can actually take that out of their hands and they will never notice. So if someone's holding their car keys or I have seen it done um, in one of my psychology labs, if someone is holding a baby and is on the phone, you can, if you just extend your arms out, they will give you whatever they are holding and go back to their conversation. And ironically in the study that we were shown is that once they get off the phone, they have no idea where their baby or where their keys or whatever you gave them went. And it's really funny. You can can also do the vice versa but it's easier to get caught if you're kind of making it really obvious but you can actually hand things to someone who's on a phone if someone's on a phone and you hand them like chapstick they're just gonna take it and still be on the phone and then when they get off they're gonna be like how is this in my hand so it's kind of a fun little thing to do if you live in a house with your parents or your boyfriend and they're on the phone just either take things away from them or put things on them because they usually don't question it until after the phone call, which is pretty funny. But with that being said, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed another wonderful episode of the Just Justine Time podcast. Uh, I feel like I'm finally getting more confident talking um, on the podcast. I remember my first episode, I was so shy and like shaky and nervous. And now I'm just like, blah, 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 talking. I totally got over that fear, so I appreciate each and everyone who has been listening to the podcast from day one, or if you're a new person, I really appreciate that you are here, and if you haven't already, no matter where you're watching, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Audible, wherever we go out, make sure to rate it five stars, subscribe, like, comment, do whatever you want. Um, because I really, really appreciate that. Um, and if you are watching on YouTube, make sure to comment, what is your favorite holiday? Mine is Christmas, as you can tell in the background. Um, but what's your favorite holiday? Hope Christmas went well. It should be Christmas, but heck, I, I'm okay with Easter or Halloween or whatever seasons are out there. <laughs> but with that being said, like I said, guys, I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please leave it a like, rate it five stars if you want because you know numbers make me happy <laughs> you guys can find me um on twitch instagram tiktok no matter what i am under kittycat23 or justine bijou because that's that's the two names i go under 
Um, but with that being said, guys, next week we are going to talk about narcissism and narcissistic people. Um, so I really hope you guys um, tune into that one because I know someone in my life who was very narcissistic to me. And I cannot wait, cannot wait to share that story next episode. But with that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day, morning, night, wherever you are. I hope, I hope you're having a wonderful day. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!